Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today.
everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome to South Valley. It is good to see you all. Good to have you with us online at home. If you're watching, we want to welcome you as well. We want to encourage you to worship from where you are. Make some noise at home and engage with us. Uh, we are just in a great opportunity to come before the Lord and give him praise in all circumstances. Amen, church? Amen. God is good all the time. Amen? Yes. Okay, it tells us in the book of Psalms this, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. And that is true in all circumstances. So let us lift it up as we sing this song. Count on one thing, the same God that never fails will not fail me now. He won't fail me now, and in the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high. In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Come on, sing, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will.
There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Lift it up. Take me with your arms spread wide. Take me like an orphan child. Never let go, never leave my side.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we sing praises, Lord. What a great way to start the day. And we give you thanks for bringing us here this morning. Pray that you would move throughout this morning, Lord, in our hearts and in the hearts of those who are watching at home, Lord. Just have your way. Lord, I pray that you would just restore us through your hand, Lord. Give us your peace and your joy, Lord. And if there is one who doesn't know your love for them, Lord, speak to that heart this morning and draw them to you, Lord. We would see lives changed by your hand. And hold on to the promises found in the songs that we just lifted up to you, Lord. So we give you honor and praise in all circumstances to you, our Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. South Valley, good morning. How are we doing? Oh, man. It's so great to be able to worship with you in person, online. However we're doing it, we're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ today, y'all. It's a party wherever you are. So we're glad that y'all are here. On behalf of the staff, just want to say welcome and we hope that this time is a blessing to you that sets you into a trajectory of joy for your week. And uh, if you are here and you're new, whether, again, in person or online, please know that the Lord has brought you here for a reason. It's not out of mystery. It's out of his intent and his pursuit for you and your heart. And so we just want to invite you here and, again, welcome you. If you haven't filled out an online Connect card or an in-person Connect card, they're right underneath your seats, uh, please do. We would love to hear from you. And then on your way out, you can drop them off in the donation stations by the door, and we'll, we'll get a hold of you and answer your questions, get to know you, pray for you. We would love to be able to do that. And that being said, we're going to get right here to the announcements that we have. We have a lot going on, a lot of exciting stuff going on. We're especially blessed by the Lord's goodness and his grace, and we're just wanting to spill it all out, y'all. So let's go right to Easter, right off the bat. Yeah, Easter's coming up in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be having three services for that Easter Sunday, one at 8 in the morning, 9.30 a.m. and 11. We'll have children's ministry available for the 9.30 and the 11 a.m. services, so the 8 a.m. service we will not, so just make sure that you plan accordingly. Uh, we are going to just raise the roof up in here, y'all. It's going to be in person. It's going to be also online available through the usual channels, and we hope that you'll join us and invite someone to celebrate this with. This is such a like a huge opportunity to do that, y'all. So uh, speaking of which, we have been talking about You've Been Egged and that great opportunity that you have. This is a tool that we've created as a church to be able to help you to invite people within your circle of influence to church that Sunday. And so if you haven't already done so, make sure that you stop by to pick them up just right outside this door. Uh, the children's check-in, and we'll also have them available next week. And if you haven't registered for that yet, they'll be available next week as well. And again, just a real simple way for you to be able to uh, connect and invite your friends. And we are excited for that opportunity too. So you can do that on the Church Center app, which, by the way, if you've not downloaded the Church Center app, make sure that you do, because you can do everything with that thing, y'all. You can check in your kids before you even get on the campus. You can sign up for things. You can give. That app does so much, y'all. It probably babysit y'all kids. Like, it'll probably do all of that. So just make sure that you get that downloaded so that you can very easily get connected with us here at South Valley. Um, also, we're looking for uh, egg donations for that, by the way, for our Easter Sunday for the kids that are going to be here on campus. And so if you would, wouldn't mind just donating some candy-filled eggs, we would love that, too. We're looking to get about 3,000 eggs. So I think that's totally a, a, like possible for us here. So just make sure if you, you know, stop by the store, grab some eggs, and we'll bless some kids here today and uh, on Easter. We also have 
uh, Connect, Connect Class 101 that's happening starting today. Now, if you're not familiar with what that class is all about, it just kind of gives you the chance to get to know South Valley a little bit about our history, where we're going, and also gives you a chance to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Such a foundational class. It's a membership class. We'll have one at 1.30 p.m. today in person. For those of you who are registered, just make sure that you uh, attend and grab your lunch beforehand, eat, and then you'll get to hang out with Seth in the chapel. And then if you have signed up for the online one, that one's going to be happening via Zoom next Sunday as well. And if you haven't signed up, please make sure that you do, um, especially you're going to be hearing some great updates today from our pastoral search uh, committee today, and that information is absolutely impertinent. And so we want to make sure that you guys stay connected and informed with that. And then also today, we have the first step for, class, uh, for kids baptism class, because we are getting ready for baptisms that are happening next week. And so if your kids have signed up for first step, that's going to be taking place in the Children's Worship Center after service today. So just make sure that you're there. And if you haven't signed up, for baptism yourself, if you're interested in that, we do have that again available both services next Sunday, the 28th, for the 9 a.m. service and the 10.30 a.m. service just right over here. It's a celebration, you guys. I know that you've been here for a baptism, many of you, and it is just so beautiful to see this, these huge testimonies of God's work in people's lives, and that is exactly why we are here. I even stomped my foot, y'all. That's just why we're here. So it's so exciting to be able to celebrate that together, and we hope that you will. So if you're interested in signing up, sign up on the Church Center app, or you could even take a picture at the QR code on your way out today, and you'll get connected. Seth will get a hold of you there as well. Uh, and then finally, we are in the business of just seeing lives change, y'all. We're wanting to see people come to know Jesus and to come to know him fully. We exist, SVCC, to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're here with us in person or you're online, we are, are working our intention on this, making sure that you have an experience that will bless your heart. And we want others in our community and all, even around the world to be able to, to experience that. So as we give, we are literally building the kingdom of God in that way and reaching people for Jesus. And so we just want to remind you that we do have many ways in which you can give. We're going to put that on the screen for you right now. You can do that online. Uh, you can do that through the Church Center app. If you're here in person, on your way out, we have donation stations there for you to be able to drop off your offering as well. It's just a way uh, for us as South Valley family to give and to extend another form of worship to the Lord. And if you're new, we don't want to pressure you into giving. We truly want something for you, not from you. So please don't feel that pressure to, to have to give. Um, and so that's what we have in terms of announcements for today. We do have another way in which we can be generous in the way that we can give. And we've been kind of hollering about it these last few weeks, and it's been exciting to see what the Lord has done with our canned food drive. And so we're going to uh, show a video for you to check out just what ways that we can be a blessing to our community through this food drive. And then we'll have an announcement about uh, our pastoral search community. So thank you so much for joining us. We hope that this service is a blessing to you. Thanks for coming. All right, Peyton, grab all the hammers that you can find. Here we go. Hey guys, what are we doing with the stuff? Uh, we're putting together a, a fixer-upper community project. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I have no clue what I'm about to get myself into. Well, that's cool. I wish I could help, but I don't know how to use any tool. That's what I said. Okay, then what would you two suggest that we do as a whole church to meet some need in our community? Easter. No. 
yeah, yeah, that's right, but you can also use them for feather pens, or, or you can use them as back scratchers, or you can even use the chicken as an alarm clock. Good morning, good morning, South Valley. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. My name is Thomas Curtis. Do you mind if I give you a couple, give me a couple minutes, I'll give you guys an update of where we are in the search for a pastor? Good? Awesome, awesome. We got exciting news, guys. We have a candidating weekend coming up in just a few weeks, so I'm going to be talking about that uh, in a minute. But do you guys mind if I share a little bit of my heart before I do that? Is that cool? All right, awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, a couple weeks ago when I spoke, God kind of put on my heart, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And this week, he, you know, through this process, he put in my heart that his timing is perfect, right? And I wish his timing was always aligned with my timing, right? And I think we, a lot of us, kind of wish the same thing. But in the recent months, God has been using this timing to work on hearts and work on circumstances for things I think are just going to be bigger than we can even I mean, we can even fathom at this point. God is working. The Holy Spirit is working. Amen? So when I think about the past and the things that we've gone through as, as a church over the past few months and the past few years, previous pastor, nation, COVID, what, I, what I've realized is there's always something going on in our lives. We all have a story. Right? Our church, we have a story. God uses our stories, our circumstances, to test our faith and to see where our hearts are. And guys, I can tell you, I am super excited of where we are right now to South Valley. If, you, if you're new, um, if you're here new or if you're online, guys, get plugged in. Get plugged in. 
hunker down because you are going to be a part of something amazing. God is truly working. If you're an OG, if you guys have been here for a little while, man, bless you guys. We, we love you and we really appreciate you. Thank you for staying the path. Thank you for staying the path. Um, my, you know, honestly, my soul and my spirit has been is super excited. And um, it's just been, we, we, I feel like we've been reju, rejuvenated in, 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 this, uh, the, in God's timing. So talk about the future. Candidating weekend. We have candidating weekend coming up on April 11th. Okay, so, but before I jump into that, um, this, this right here is, is going to be um, our pastor candidate, Ricky Hemi. He's a, he's a pastor um, a few hours in, in a church, a few hours from here. Um, we're going to have our service times at 9 and 1045. But I want to I make a couple things clear, guys. Um, if you're here in person or online, wanna, do not uh, friend Ricky. We don't want two, three, four, five hundred friend requests in, to him on Instagram and Facebook, right? So we don't want that. Don't slide any messages in his DM, you know. And if you don't know what that means, then we're good. So don't, don't reach out to him. This, this information's here. We want you guys to get to know him. We want you guys to go online, look at his sermons. Look at his church. Look at those things. Uh, last week, the, the, um, the, the board met, met, met with Ricky, met with his family, spoke, and a unanimous vote. And that's why we are where we are now. So those couple things. And if you go online to svcclamore.org, there's going to be a, a drop-down right there where that arrow is, candidate questions. Also, if you go on your church center app, there's going to be something similar, too. If you have any questions, call the office, and they can walk you through this. But we want to know what kind of questions do you guys want to ask Ricky, right? So go ahead and submit that online, and we're going to, we're going to get the, you know, the top few questions that are, that are frequently asked, and we're, we're going to answer um, some of those here um, on stage. So exciting times, right, guys? Exciting times. Also, we are going to be sending out a letter from the search team and uh, to give some information, then also uh, uh, some information with Ricky is going to be on that letter. So this weekend, the, today I believe, and next week are our 101 classes. And candidating weekend is April 11th. And if you're, if you're a member here at South Valley, you can vote. But you have to take the 101 class. If you have any questions about that, if your membership, go, to, go call the office and we can direct you um, and answer any questions from there. But... Thank you guys so much for your time. Again, this is an exciting time of us where we are in South Valley. Thank you so much. Uh, until we have more information, till next time, we love you. Have a blessed day. So this pandemic for us has been an a interesting time as for most people. I know that for us as a couple, uh, we've been able to spend more time in our devotionals, uh, we've had perfect attendance, perfect attendance church thanks to online services. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to worship together as a couple every Sunday uh, when we're not able to be here in person. So um, I'm just very thankful that the church has been able to uh, furnish these online services uh, for the membership. Um, our time is spending in devotions has been great. We've been using some of the Right Now Media uh, resources provided by the church, and uh, we've really felt the, um, the leading uh, to step up our game in our devotional and prayer for others during this time. And our, real, our small group has actually really helped out a lot in that. 
Yeah, and um, you know, the pandemic in and of itself, it's just been a great equalizer for everybody. And it's changed the way we all do everything and the way we all look at everything. And I think an especially big blessing in this time has just been being part of our small group. We've been able to meet virtually. Um, we are have been in our small group for about, I think, five years mm -hmm. now. And so, you know, during this time, life has continued to go on in babies being born and weddings and such. And um, just it's been a huge blessing to be able to seek the prayer and comfort and support of the people in our small group. But even greater than that, we've been able to uh, be a part of blessing them in seeing, you know, weddings, babies, and, you know, just holding each other in love and comfort during loss. So it has been a tremendous blessing and we have grown quite a bit. That's a great faith story. Good morning, South Valley. Good to see you. Good to be back with you. My name is Tim Brown. I'm the executive minister of Growing Healthy Churches, an organization that your church is a part of, that you network with. And I'm also the pastor of a church in Modesto, even though I live in Clovis. So you figure all that out. I don't know how it works, but they get me to where I need to go. It's good to be with you today and again next week. My privilege to be with you. I love coming here. I love you all. And I know Ricky Hemme. Uh, our, our organization recommended Ricky to you. And so I think you're going to be pleasantly uh, surprised as you get to know him. And, and, uh, and we're praying for you as you hear his story and as you consider him as your next pastor. That's good news, isn't it? Okay, now, I need your help this morning. Can you do that? Because I tend to preach better and shorter if I get some responses from you, okay? So, you know, if you can cheer and shout and, you know, stomp your feet, do whatever you want to do, I promise you it's going to get better and shorter. How's that sound? Sound good? Well, let's close in prayer. See, that's how that works. <laughs> how many of you have ever had a bad day? Raise your hands if you've ever had a bad day. Leave your hands up. You see those who are not raising their hands. They're having a bad day because they're lying. We've all had a bad day. One of my favorite children's books that I would read to my girls when they were little is by the author Judith Verist. And the story that the girls loved to hear was about Alexander and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. This little boy Alexander says that he went to sleep with gum in his mouth and now there's gum in his hair. And when he got out of bed this morning, he tripped on his skateboard by mistake and he said, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running and I could tell that it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. At school, he didn't get called on in class when he knew the answer. At lunch, guess who was the only one whose mom forgot to put dessert in his lunch? It was Alexander. And it was even more, there was worse to come because after, after school, his mom took he and his siblings to the dentist and Dr. Fields found a cavity only in his mouth. And then it gets worse because he gets home and for dinner, mom has fixed lima beans and he hates lima beans. And at the end of his day in exasperation, Alexander says, it's been a horrible, no good, very bad day. I think I'll move to Australia. And then mom says to him, Alexander, some days are just like that, even in Australia. 
In fact, if you've ever been rejected, if you've ever been falsely accused, if you've ever been forgotten, if you've ever been excluded, if you've ever been unwelcomed, if you've ever been misunderstood, if you've ever experienced rough roads in life, if you've ever hit an unexpected pothole in life, if you've ever been in life where you know that you're not supposed to be, if you had hoped to be somewhere else and you are not there, if you've ever had your dreams dashed, if you've ever had your feet knocked out from under you, if you've been kicked while you've been down or treated harshly by those from whom you would expect kindness, then today's story is for you. I was told between services that this story is a familiar one here at South Valley because it's been told in different capacities. Our story takes place over 14 chapters in the book of Genesis, so buckle up, we've got a lot of ground to cover. And Our story starts in Genesis chapter 37, and it begins with a man named Jacob, also known as Israel. And he has 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes of Israel. Number 11 is his favorite son. His name is Joseph. When our story begins, he's 17 years of age, and dad, because he loves his son so much, gives him what scripture calls a richly ornamented robe. If you've grown up in church or you know the story, you may have heard it referred to as the coat of many colors. Or maybe you've heard it referred to as Joseph and his amazing technicolor dream coat. In Genesis 37, 4, it says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Many of you know that pain of maybe having siblings that you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe being in a family where people can't get along. Where people may say harsh things about you who are supposed to say kind words to you. Well, Joseph is a dreamer, and he has two dreams. And maybe naively, he shares those dreams. And as he shares one dream with his brothers, the first one, they say in Genesis 37, 8, the brothers hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he said. They interpreted his dreams, oh, you're going to rule over us one day. He has another dream and shares, you know, Yeah, I'm going to rule over you, you know, that's what this dream is about. And even dad gets involved with the conversation in Genesis 37, 10 and 11, when after hearing the second dream, he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. As the story progresses, Joseph's brothers are out in the fields grazing their flocks. And dad says to Joseph, who's at home, why don't you go check on your brothers and see how things are going? And so as Joseph is going out to check on his brothers, they see him coming at a distance. And the the brothers gather together and they say, hey, let's take care of this punk once and for all. That's actually in the text in the Tim Brown version, punk. (laughs) Let's take care of him. Let's kill him. But Reuben, who is the oldest, says, guys, we can't do that. We can't do that. Let me pause here in our story long enough to say this. That the voice of reason should come 
with age and maturity. Reuben was the oldest. Guys, we can't do that. The voice of reason should come with age and maturity. But sadly, I know too many people, and you have too. I know a lot of people who've grown old, but they have never grown up. People who claim to be followers of Christ. Who have grown old in the Lord, but they haven't grown up with Him, grown up in Him. And so Reuben says, we can't do this. He encourages them instead, which maybe is not very wise. Why don't you just put him in a cistern and we'll do something with him later. But it says in the text that Reuben had intended to take him safely back home to his father. But the brothers see something. They see a band of people who are coming, a caravan of people who are headed towards Egypt. And they said, we know. Let's take him and sell him into slavery. Let's sell him to these Ishmaelites as they're coming by these Midianites and so they take Joseph and they sell him to these people who are going into Egypt and they rip off his richly ornamented robe and they tear it to shreds and they put goat's blood on it and then they go back home and they take it to dad and they say dad we found this along the way and dad's going oh no that's Joseph's coat surely he's been devoured by wild animals so he grieves Go to chapter 39. This is the next time we hear about Joseph. And we see in this story in chapter 39 that Joseph has been sold by the original caravan. He's been sold into slavery into a man by the name of Potiphar in his house. And Potiphar is one of the high-ranking officials in Pharaoh's army. Joseph's not where he's supposed to be. But it says in Genesis 39, 2-7, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household... And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And then notice what Scripture tells us next. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Ladies, can we read that together? Would you read that with me, ladies? Ready? Now Joseph was well built and handsome. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. In the Hebrew that means that he was hot. It says that in verse 7, After a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Now we know that the Egyptians were very advanced in their technology because of the pyramids. We know that they were advanced in medical procedures and they were doing embalming as we see in pages of Scripture. What we may not realize is they were advanced in other areas. Recent archaeological digs and excavating of the pyramids have revealed that they were actually taking pictures back in that day. And they found certain pictures recently, and they found a picture of this hottie called Joseph 
well-built and handsome. And here's that picture. <laughs> you appreciated that more than the first surface, so thank you. It's only a joke. So Potiphar's wife tries multiple times to seduce Joseph, and he keeps turning her down, and there's one day they're alone in the home. And as she approaches him and tries to seduce him again, he runs from her, and she grabs his tunic and rips it right off of him. And then in embarrassment, because she's been turned down again, she calls to her attendants and says, Look at that slave of ours. Look at that man. He tried to rape me. Go tell my husband. Of course, we read that Potiphar had him thrown into prison. Joseph is not where he's supposed to be. Genesis 39, 20 through 23, it says, though, but while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. Now, In chapter 40 we meet two other characters in the story. It's Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker. They've been thrown in prison by Pharaoh. Both those guys have some dreams. They want somebody to interpret their dream. And Joseph interprets their dream, and for the baker, it's not going to turn out good. He tells the baker, you're going you're to be executed. He tells the cupbearer, the cupbearer is the one that would take the drink to Pharaoh, and he would have to taste it before it was given to Pharaoh, because if he died suddenly, you know, it was poison, that would be a great job to have, wouldn't it? He said to the cupbearer, your dream is going to end favorably. You'll find yourself back into the good graces of Pharaoh. And that's exactly what happened. The baker was executed. The cupbearer to the king goes back to Pharaoh. And Joseph just said, would you remember me? Would you remember me when you go to Pharaoh and tell him about my story? But the cupbearer forgets. In chapter 41, we learn that two years have passed, and now Joseph is 30 years old. And that Pharaoh has two troubling dreams, and nobody can interpret those dreams, and it's then it clicks with the cupbearer. Oh, wait a minute. When I was out of sorts with you, and you threw me in prison, there was a dude there by the name of Joseph, and he interpreted our dreams, and they turned out exactly like, they were, like he said. And so why don't you send for him, and maybe he can help. And so... They summon for Joseph. He comes into the presence of Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, can you help me interpret these dreams? And Joseph says, no, I can't. But the Lord can. And if I find favor in his eyes, then he'll show me what your dreams mean. And Pharaoh shares the two dreams that he has. And Joseph says, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news, Pharaoh. The good news is, is that for seven years, this is going to be a very prosperous place. You're going to have crops like you've never seen before. You're going to have wealth like you've never seen before. But the bad news is that it's going to be followed by a seven-year period of drought and famine. Now, what I'm suggesting to you is that you would take the seven years of prosperity and you would stock up things. You would, you would save a lot. Then when the famine hits, you'll be able to take care of your household and your people and people from all over the world that we know it will come for supplies and you will become very famous and wealthy. 
Pharaoh returns and he looks at his advisors when he hears this. And here's what he says in Genesis 41, 38 through 43. So Pharaoh looks at them, his advisors, and he says, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom the Spirit of God rests? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And the people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And sure enough, there were seven years of abundance. And then the famine hit. During the seven years of abundance under Joseph's leadership, the nation of Egypt had great surplus and supply. They, they saved as much as they could. So much so that they had to stop taking count of how much they had. But in chapter 42 of Genesis, we learn that back in Canaan, from where Joseph is from, we hear about his dad who's concerned because the famine has hit hard there and they're out of supplies. But he's heard that in Egypt they have plenty of supplies. So he says, I'm going to keep Benjamin here with me, the baby brother, the baby of the bunch. I want you other ten brothers to go into Egypt and I want you to take the silver and buy supplies. So they go down to Egypt and while they're buying supplies, Joseph happens to notice them and he goes over to inquire of them. They don't recognize him. He's changed in these ten plus years. And he asks where they're from, and they explain, well, we're from Canaan. The famine's really bad there. He says, well, tell me about your family. And he says, well, there used to be 12 of us, but one is dead now, and the baby brother is at home with dad. And Joseph says, I don't believe you. I think you're spies. And he has them thrown into prison for three days. Probably kind of made him feel good, don't you think? And then he devises this plan. He brings them out, and he says, I'm going to keep one of you here. While the rest of you go back to Canaan and you bring the baby brother back to me so I can tell whether you're telling me the truth or not. And they said, oh no, please don't do that. But that was the deal that was made. So Simeon, the brother Simeon stayed. And they took their supplies with them. And Joseph had instructed his servants that in the bags of grain that were going to go back with the brothers, that you put their silver that they came to buy the grain with back in each of those bags. And so they head back to Canaan, and they get there with Dad, and they're telling him, Dad, you're not going to believe what's happening. And they open up their bags, and there's all the money that they were supposed to pay with. What is going on? And Dad, we've got to take Benjamin with us so that Simeon can come back. And Dad is distraught. No, I can't lose another son. And so there's a lot of back and forth going on and they finally convince dad that if it means our lives we'll make sure that Benjamin comes back and so they grab Ben and they head to Egypt when they get there and they have some interaction and finally Joseph sees Benjamin it says in the pages of scripture in Genesis that he couldn't hold it together and so he had to leave the room and he burst into tears he wept bitterly at the sight of his baby brother he threw a feast for them, and at the feast, baby Ben got triple portions, like some of you do. Of course, I don't. You can tell, obviously, that I don't. So as they're preparing to depart with more supplies, 
Joseph says to his servants, I want you to put all the silver that they, that they brought back and what they brought this time, again, I want you to put it back in their sacks and I want you to take one of my silver cups and I want you to put it in the sack of Benjamin. The boys don't know it. They head out, going back to Canaan. And Joseph says, somebody stole my silver cup. Go after those guys. And so they go after the guys, and it's like a scene from cops, you know, where they're pulling somebody over. One of you stole something from Joseph. We didn't steal anything. And they open up their sacks, and there's all the silver, and they're going, oh, no. And they open up Ben's sack, and there's the cup. Oh. So they're escorted back into Joseph's palace. Joseph then says that he's going to put Ben in prison for the crime that he has committed. And the brothers beg him, please don't do that. Please, please, please take one of us, but not him. It would kill dad. Please don't. And then finally in chapter 45, we have the reveal. This is exciting. This is kind of like the final rose ceremony on The Bachelor. Now, if you know what that is, come forward after church so we can pray for you. <laughs> In Genesis 45, verses 3 through 8, Joseph says to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Maybe so that they could look more closely at him. But a lot of scholars believe that there's something very significant here. Israelites is a sign of their Abrahamic covenant. When a baby boy was born, had to go through a surgical procedure called circumcision. Egyptians didn't. Come close to me, guys. I'll show you I'm one of you. You get the picture? When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years there's been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. And as the story goes, they send people back to Canaan to bring uh, Jacob and his whole family and they come and and Pharaoh is very generous because of what Joseph has done for Egypt. And he gives them the whole land of Goshen. As we wrap up this morning, I want to give you three things that I think are very important to learn from the, the story of Joseph. There's many, but three lessons that I've picked up on as I've read this over the years. The first lesson is this. Try to find purpose in your pain. Try to find the purpose in your pain. 
This takes maturity. But I want you to know that God can even take our pain and our problems and he can create great blessings out of them. Blessings that we can't see when we're going through the pain and the problems. But try to find the purpose in your pain. God may not cause our pain, but he can sure use them to lead us to higher levels in different places. God is a pro at recycling and upcycling. That's what my wife does. She, she's an upcycler. You all know what that is? That's where people who have taken discarded items, maybe antique items that they see as no longer worthy of anything, and, and then she puts her touch on it, and it's beautiful and useful, and people want to buy it. God is a pro at upcycling our lives. When we feel like that we're nothing but a piece of garbage and when we feel like that people have done us wrong and we're broken or we've made our mistakes, God is a pro at saying, I can take that and let me tell you something, I can make you even more useful and more beautiful than you ever thought you could be. Find purpose in your pain. There will be pain and suffering and difficulty. It's all a part of life. Even Jesus said that. Jesus said, in this life you will have problems. But take heart, he said. It's what we do with all of our problems that makes the difference. And with an awareness that we have that God is at work and patience, we can even see that God has a purpose in our pain and our problems. This requires maturity and emotional intelligence. We have to believe to the core of our being that God is at work, even in our pain. Paul believed it in 2 Corinthians 4. He says this, he says, This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And a lot of people's favorite verse in the entire Bible, Romans 8.28, says this, And we know that God causes Everything, all things, not many things, most things, some things, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. He said, wait a minute, Tim, how can God take this circumstance that I've been through? How, how can God take this problem that I've had? How can God take my past that's littered with mistakes? How can God take this situation? How can God take my, my broken relationship? How can God take this pain that I've carried in my life? How can God take that and cause it to work good for me? I want you to think about a recipe. For the purpose of this illustration, let's just think about baking a cake. Let's say that you're going to bake a cake and let's just, let's just say you put out all the individual ingredients that you need to make that cake. Let's suppose that you, you go to each individual ingredient and you eat each individual ingredient. Some, not going to be too bad. Maybe sweet. Some, Maybe sour. Some may be bitter. Some you may not be able to stomach at all. But once you mix all those together, and you put it in the oven, you bake it at the right temperature for the right amount of time, what comes out is something that's good. 
Scripture says that God takes all things. So if you were to look at your life as a recipe and you have little individual ingredients, some of the things in your life that you've experienced are going to be sweet. Some are going to be sour. Some are going to be bitter. Some you won't be able to, able to stomach hardly at all. How does God make, make things work for good? He takes all things. And then he adds his ingredients. Maybe a person at the right time. Maybe a circumstance at the right time. Maybe a blessing at the right time. Maybe a church at the right time. Maybe a new pastor at the right time. And then what he does is he bakes us at the right temperature for the right length of time. And what comes out is something that when we get over on this side and we look back at our life, we say, man, it is sweet here right now. I wouldn't want to go through that individual thing again, but I can tell you, God put everything together and I have a blessing right now. He causes all things to work together. Second lesson from Joseph. Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Wherever you are, bloom. That's what Joseph did. He did his best. He bloomed where he planted. Some of you are right now not where you hope to be in your life. Your life hasn't turned out what you thought it was going to be. Some of you, if we were spreading seeds, and you hoped to land on the best fertile soil that you could find, some of you have landed in one of the cracks in the sidewalk. Bloom there anyway. Some of you have been planted among thorns. Difficult people. Bloom there anyway. Be a beautiful rose. Some of you are, are planted along a freeway. You thought you were going to be in some big, huge, beautiful place, but you find yourself, your life is whizzing by you like crazy, and you just don't know how much more stress you can take, and you're planted in that place that is just, it seems like it's screaming at you every day. I'll tell you, bloom like the California wildflowers along 99 and 41. Bloom where you're planted. Some of you find yourself in a desert. Dig for water and bloom like those beautiful cactus bloom. You see, too many people I know suffer from a disease, and it's not COVID. It's called destination disease. Well, I'll tell you what, when I get there, then I'll be happy. And when I get there, then I'll bloom. Or, or when I get that, then, then I'll bloom. And when I have that, then I'll bloom. No. Bloom where you are. In whatever circumstance right now. That's what we learn from Joseph. The New Testament says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And as our Lord Jesus said, your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Just like he did with Joseph. We can't always choose the cards that we have been dealt, but we can surely choose with God's help how we play them. Sometimes we have to make the best of our situations and bloom where we're planted. Be resilient. Have grit. Be determined. You see, our problems are really not our problems. It's how we respond to our problems that make our problems our problems. You want me to repeat that? Our problems are not really our problems. It's how we respond to our problems that make our problems our problems. Keep your dreams alive if you want to bloom where you're planted. That'll uplift your human spirit. Not everyone can quit their jobs and follow a dreams. And sometimes our dreams take time. 
So instead of getting bitter and upset at your situation, ask, what can I do to bloom where I am? Remember, every step that you take prepares you for the next step. Every chapter in your life builds a foundation to launch into the next chapter. So my question is, what's your next chapter going to say about you based upon what you're writing in the chapter right now? You can either feel sorry for yourself, wondering why you're not where you want to be, and curse the situation and the people around you, or you can look for a lesson and say, God, where is the lesson in this for me? How are you trying to grow me even though I'm not where I want to be? How can I use this to propel me to where you want me to be? You may be in a difficult place right now. In a difficult place, can I tell you, you may be in a dark place right now. Let your light shine because you'll discover that when you let your light shine and have a great attitude and you love and you continue to do your best, here's what's going to happen. Soon, the darkness dissipates when you let your light shine. I want to encourage you, if you're going to bloom where you're planted, stop complaining. Do we have any complainers in here? Like, will he hurry up and get this over with? Stop complaining. As Maya Angelou, one of my favorite poets said, she said, if you don't like something, change it. And if you can't change it, change your attitude about it. If a situation cannot be changed, you have to learn to rise above it. Because what we tend to focus on expands. Oh, that's gold. What we tend to focus on expands. What you, if you focus on the negative, that's going to expand in your life. If you look for the little nuggets of gold here and there, that'll expand in your life. What many of us need to do is we need to shrink our rearview mirror and expand our windshield to what God is trying to do in our lives. And I want to encourage you to do something else if you're going to bloom where you're planted. Try to be a blessing to someone else. Research has shown that helping others makes us happier. Scripture teaches that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And you can choose this, and I can choose this, despite and in spite of the circumstances we find ourselves in. A final lesson from Joseph. Not the only one, just one final for this morning. And this one's kind of long, but it's huge. Don't allow the hurt inflicted on you by others keep you from being the best version of yourself. Don't allow the stupidity of others, the jealousy of others, the words of others, the actions of others, don't allow them to determine your future. You allow God to determine your future. Allow those times where people are not kind to you and you'd expect them to be. Allow those times to be a building block, to be a better you, not a bitter you. And bitterness always starts out as hurt. So when you get hurt, be very careful because a seed has been planted in your heart. A seed of bitterness. And Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. And whenever, whenever the bitter root springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. Scripture is very clear. You've got to be aware of bitterness. Be aware when you're hurt because there's a seed that is planted there. 
And if you're not careful, what will happen is that seed will grow and it will begin to blossom and it will take root in your heart. It will cause you to act in ways that are opposite of who God is. Scripture says that God is love. So if someone hurts you, deal with that bitterness. Bitterness produces, produces a poison that hurts not only you, but it hurts others. With bitterness, many people, including yourself, can be corrupted. You know this to be true just by observations in life. You go to work or school, and everything can be fine in the entire class or at the entire workplace, and you insert one bitter person, the whole place is awful. You see it happen in families. Have a family gathering, and everybody's getting along, and all of a sudden, here comes that one person. You all know what I'm talking about? You're thinking of that person now, huh? You say, well, I don't know who that person is. Maybe it's you. You see it with teenagers. You can take a group of great kids. You insert one bitter, poisonous kid, and it impacts the entire group and all friends. I wish I could tell you the number of churches that I've seen this happen to. Where one, two, or a handful of people become bitter over something. And that root grows. And Satan loves it. All of a sudden, a group goes in a wrong direction. Bitterness produces a very, very poisonous fruit. But look at how Joseph responded to his brothers. We read this. Genesis 45, verses 5, 7, and 8. He says to his brothers, Don't be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Verse 7, he says, But God sent me ahead of you. Verse 8, he says, So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow, what maturity. Listen, people may hurt you. And I've learned this, that there are some people who can actually destroy a dream in your life. But in the end... If you trust God, you'll discover that He's still in charge. And even though there's one person or a group of people that may have destroyed a dream, they can't destroy God's work in your life. Because He's the one ultimately in charge, if you let Him. And please hear this. Do you know that person or those people that are really hurting you or have hurt you? God may be using those very people who've treated you the worst to direct you to a better path. Oh, I'm going to say it again. You told me you were going to help me this morning, but I'm not hearing it. God may be using the very people who have treated you the worst to take you to a higher level, to a better path. 
people who are destroying you, who have hurt you, God may be using that in you to prepare you for a better place that you didn't even know he was taking you to, if you respond appropriately. I want to remind you that Joseph spent over 10 years of his life in what many people would say a diversion from his path of dreams. A lot of that time he had to deal with crazy people, crazy, crazy siblings. I know none of you have any of that here, but crazy family members, a crazy woman who lied about him, a couple years falsely imprisoned, put there, Joseph was, because of crazy people who never, Scripture said, his brothers never had anything good to say about him. And at the end, when Daddy Jacob dies, they're scared. Oh boy, here comes the revenge. And at the end of the book of Genesis, a powerful, powerful response of Joseph. He says this, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended to harm me, but God. You intended to harm me, but God. My encouragement to all of us is to have faith that God is working in spite of our current circumstances. So when you've been rejected, have faith that God is still working. When you feel falsely accused, have faith that God is still working. When you feel like you've been forgotten, have faith that God is still working. When you feel like you've been excluded, have faith that God is still working. When you felt unwelcomed or misunderstood, have faith that God is still working. When you find yourself on a rough road of life and you just hit a massive pothole, have faith that God is still working. When the unexpected happens, have faith that God is still working. When the life that you have is not what you had hoped for, have faith that God is still working. If your dreams have been dashed, have faith that God is still working. When you've been knocked off your feet by the unforeseen, kicked while you're down, treated harshly by those that should be loving you, have faith that God is still working. And with that, if you'll stand with me, we'll close. And I'd like for you just to take this time, maybe of just a, a few seconds here of reflection. I often will ask after a message that I've heard or scripture that I've read, I'll, I'll ask something like this. So what, God? What do you want me to do with what I've just learned and heard? Maybe for some of you, you need to stop pouting. Maybe for some of you, you need to stop running. Maybe for some of you, you need to stop blaming for some of you, maybe you need to stop doubting. Maybe the time is to start returning. Return to a God who is willing to work out your worst for something that is best. And for those of you who may be watching online or here in person, maybe today would be the day that you would just ask Jesus into your life. 
You say, well, how can I have a relationship with God? Well, Jesus answered that question. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So you accept him as your Savior. Allow him to work in your life. You try to live for him as best you can, and you, you become a part of a family of God like here at South Valley. You get connected and watch what happens. So God, we're going to leave here today believing that whatever is happening or will happen, that you are still working. And we all agree together and say, Amen. God bless you for being here today. Have safe travel as you go back home. Remember the boxes are on the side if you want to drop a card or an offering. And I'll be here next week. We'll see you next week as we'll hear another story, okay? God bless you. Have a great day.